This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O Thou Great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. Ronnie Martin, it's yes, good sir. talking with you again. Yes, Jared C. What's how, going how have on, things man? been going in in in, in your world? What's oh, uh, what's crack a lacking, as the kids say, <laughs> out in Ashland, Ohio? Well, I mean, it's pretty optimistic, actually. Everything's getting back to normal. All the health orders are being lifted on June 2nd. I don't know when this is going to drop in regards to that. But um, so it's really it's it's fun because that means the church is really back to normal after that and everything kind of back in full force and full power which is not a lot of force and power. We're, you know, we're not a, we're not a big force and power church, but uh, no, with with your, with your wood pallets (laughs) and your industrial warehouse space. You don't even know how to describe it, do you? I don't, (laughs) I don't, you know, I've got actually a pallet sitting in my driveway. I was thinking the other day because we had this, my wife had 60 bags of, Topsoil oh. delivered to our house, dude. That's a lot. <laughs> Do you know, like when you, well, when you exceed a certain amount, I was just thinking. She was like, "I think we need sixty bags between sixteen eighty She said, and I was thinking, "How am I going to get all that in my little Ford in the in the back of the?" Uh, yeah. And I was just thinking, man, loading that up and unloading, it, and I thought, see if they'll deliver, and they yeah. will if you order over a certain amount. So oh, nice. they delivered this thing. And the guy comes on the truck and he's got a pat, you know, the little <laughs> bulldozer thing or the skid steer. And he, he the, the lift, the little forklift thing, and he brings it off. On a, and that, and so I have a wooden pallet now. And I thought once I use all this thing, I asked him, I was like, "You need that pallet back?" <laughs> and he was like, "No, you you, you keep the pallet." He's I'm like, like, "No, man, I'm, start it like, like plant a church in your." That's basement. what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm going to have to plant a church. <laughs> I don't know what else to do with it. What do you do with a pallet? I don't know. You just, you I'll plant a church. I think, but yeah. I'll use it as my backdrop. That's for my, what you, yeah, you can use it as yeah. a backdrop. You can use it as firewood. I mean, man, it's endless. It I'll really is build endless. a pulpit out of it. Build a pulpit I, out of it. And you know what? I think that makes a good transition. To this <laughs> random episode that we're yeah. doing, which is not really random, but it's a mailbag app. Yeah, so we're going to kind of round out our first season here. This will be yes. kind of the season finale for this first season of The Art of Pastoring. And we were asked if we would do kind of a grab bag, mailbag episode. Yeah. So, yeah, we got on the social medias and we asked, what would you like us to talk about? And we got a lot of responses. It was really cool. Most yeah. of them worthless. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Very was a lot thoughtful of, questions. It was a lot of practical yes. things. And some, of the, and, and some of what we'll talk about today are certainly not impractical. But it was a lot of kind of nuts and bolts type stuff, which is not really the kind of vibe that you and I cultivate on this here program, right? We're not like those nine marks guys over there always interested in the pragmatic aspect oh man i'm gonna let you take that well you're the you're the what i want well i want a a, a feud it's been a long time since i've been in a good (laughs) feud and we should take on the nine marxists oh man with our feud 
Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I pulled out of all those great responses, just to be clear, you know, great responses. Some of the more kind of reflective sort of questions, yeah, they'll have some practical implications as as well. But these are kind of in the wheelhouse of the art of pastoring. So, question number one, yeah, Ronnie Martin, how does a pastor know? When it's time to move on, if it's ever time to move on, how would a pastor know when it's time to leave his church beyond being disqualified or or something like that? Just in a measure of discernment, how would somebody know? Well, yeah, man, I'll say I'll say a couple of things on this, but I think since you you did it, I mean, I've left it. I've left a couple of churches too, being on yeah. staff, but you left it as a lead guy. So, yeah, the the first couple of things that come to my mind are, I think you have to, there has to be a, a sense of like exploration with why you're feeling that way. And I think it's just, hey, there's a reason why you're starting to feel like it's time to move on. Or maybe you're feeling like a lot of the, the verbiage that people in our world uses, are you feeling released? I mean, some of that stuff can feel very ethereal. It doesn't have a lot of grip to it. I think some of the conversations I've had with people that are starting to feel that is, well, like, hey, let's talk about that. Like, is let's talk about what's going on in your life or in your ministry that is causing you to feel like it might be a good time to go. It might be a good time to go. Like God might be using whatever the season you're in. He might be stirring something in you. He might be getting ready to open a door. He has opened a door and you got to make a decision about whether it's time to exit. But I, I would say that to be reflective on the reasoning and the motivations behind it and, and to really take a deep look at that is important. Then I would say if you can process it with somebody, you can be honest with and and really express yourself in a very transparent way and just get their take on it. And kind of, if you know somebody who's able to like kind of look at your life and give you some objective thoughts about why you might be feeling the way you're feeling, I always think that that would be really helpful too, you know, just kind of an abundance of counselors. But yeah, I would explore the feelings of that, see what's triggering it, and then see if you can bring somebody in and kind of help sift through some of those some of those things, because you could have a great reason to go and you might have no reason to go. I think this thing is so multifaceted, you know, yeah. and I think a lot of guys leave maybe for the wrong reasons. And some people leave because it's time to go. And that can be a myriad of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of come at this question through the back door and begin with reasons to stay <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, or, 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 or reasons, you know, things that are not reasons to leave. So I think the impulse for the pastoral heart should be to mm. stay. The, that mm-hmm. should be sort of the, the desire. Can I stay? That's where we should begin. And the reasons a lot of people leave or think about leaving, to me, tend to be somewhat shallow or, mm. or, or, or short-sighted. I'll, I'll put it that way. Mm. Not necessarily shallow, but short-sighted. So, for instance— just because things are difficult. So sometimes when when things get difficult, there's a difficult season or it's a lean season in ministry. And and as happens with any pastor, particularly new pastors or younger pastors, usually around year three at a church is you know year three, year four is where things get real. Yeah, <laughs> and they yeah. and they actually and they actually discover who the church really is, and they discover who they themselves are in relation. So. It's kind of like, you know, the honeymoon phase is over and and reality sets in. That's when a lot of times this crisis begins for some guys because they're thinking, this is not what I thought it was. These are not who I thought they were. This is not the church I thought it was. This is more difficult. People aren't as happy with me as they used to be. 
That doesn't mean necessarily that you 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 have to stay, but that doesn't mean you have to go either. I yeah. you know I just think pushing through that is is a better desire and better impulse. So we have no promise in the New Testament that to be called to something means that it's going to be comfortable, it's going to be easy, yeah. that you'll never be challenged at all, that people will always be happy with you. In fact, we have quite the opposite portrait. So we just need to get that out of our heads, I think. And I think there's you know other reasons too to, to say just because I'm tired. There's tired for which a break or a sabbatical or 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 healthier habits yeah. and healthier rhythms can actually benefit you in ways and your church in ways that fall short of the the nuclear option of of up and leaving. Because if it's really about your pattern, if it's about your passivity in terms of boundaries and that sort of thing, you're just going to take that to the next place you go. Absolutely. In, you know, anyway. So yeah, I, I think you're right just in terms of being very self-reflective in, in, in relation to this. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like I come through the back door in that regard. And then I think, okay, well, what are the reasons then? And my answer is it just depends on the person and the context. Yeah. I think, you know, the reason for one person may not be the right reason for somebody else. And so much of it is discernment. I just want to make sure, as as you were saying, that we're actually kind of asking good questions, that we're bringing in outside counsel to help us with these things. And and we're kind of weighing it well to make sure that it's not something that could be addressed, endured through, pushed through. Is this just a season that that's difficult? And, you know, I'm going to emerge from it, Lord willing. Or is it, so just to speak personally from my own my own last situation, because I left a church plant before that, <laughs> but then the, the the last church that I pastored before I came to Kansas City, it was like a you know it was just a, a convergence yeah of 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 things, and I had to kind of untangle it a little bit because I was burnt out, I was exhausted, and I did talk to my elders about that, and they did say, hey, you need to put these guardrails mm-hmm. up in the in these certain areas and. No one brought up a sabbatical. I wish that I had done that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you know, so I didn't have anything like that in 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 place and and I didn't have a whole lot of, you know, vacation time or anything like that. So I did need a big long rest, but that wasn't the whole of it. I think if that's all it was, I was just tired. I could have kind of put some stuff up. I could have said, "Hey, I really could use a yeah. month to, you know, two months off or something." And I think if I'd expressed that strongly enough, they probably would have gone with it. But it was more than that. It was our church was growing at a pretty significant pace, and it had outpaced my capacity yeah. as a leader. So I was just you know, trying to be as honest as, as I could about my own yeah. leadership abilities. I could get up every Sunday and keep preaching, no matter how big the crowd got, right? And you know that wouldn't be an issue. But in terms of like the systems of the yes. church and trying to be make that transition from the generalist to the specialist. And I'm the only, because of our situation, I was the only, the only vocational pastor and I was the only staff person. Yeah. You're solo pastor. pastor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when someone calls the church, I'm the one who answered the phone when, so, you know, so I'm, I'm the only one in the office, so to speak, Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday. Yeah. So to me, it was like, I, I, I just don't have the gifts. I don't have the, the bandwidth. Yeah. But I also just don't have the ability. Mm-hmm. They need somebody who who is a a more dynamic or or higher capacity leader. That's yeah. kind of what I was thinking. So it it wasn't oh we'll come out of this season and if I just rest some and whatever I'll be okay. It was man the next season promises to be perhaps more people Lord willing 
which means more complexity, Mm -hmm. which means more ministry burden. And there's no sign of relief in terms of, hey, we'll hire another staff person or we'll, it it still was just on my shoulders. So that was my own situation. It may not apply to everybody else, but that's kind of how I was thinking about it. No, that may, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think it's a one size fits all. There's situations I've seen where guys have stayed in a place that they probably should have moved on from. Sure. And then there's the tendency for guys to treat, treat vocational, you know, ministry like little stepping stones to bigger and better. So they're every three years, they're, they're looking yeah. to kind of like go up the ladder within their, their role. And so, I mean, I think both of those things are things that we need wisdom for, for sure. Yeah, you know, I've always heard kind of the cliched answer, the proverbial wisdom that I've heard from others is when you lose vision for the church or when you've lost a vision for, you know, for the church that you're leading. And I'm thinking, gosh, that would be every Monday morning. For me. <laughs> totally. You know, 100%. Um, yeah. But I guess to be charitable to that, that reading, it would be, I guess, a sustained maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally sold on that reason, but I think if just, gosh, six months, a year, you just have come to believe I, I'm not the shepherd to take this church into the next season or into the next level of ministry or whatever it needs to be. You've kind of lost your your sense of what lays over the next hill and all that sort of thing. I suppose if that's sort of a settled reality for you, because otherwise, good grief, people get tired, oh, they get sad. Yeah. We're, we're human beings who have ups and downs. You're going to lose vision for the church and, and lose energy and passion, just like any normal person would as as life kind of ebbs and flows. So I wouldn't necessarily hold that on as a litmus test. And then the other thing that I would throw out too is because sometimes guys stay in spite of this, and I think it, it causes more problems, which is if your family is struggling, if, sure. if, if your wife or your children, for whatever reason, they're not thriving or flourishing in that context, yeah. they have difficulties at the church or some other aspect of life there, you may be loving it. And, and and eating it up. But if if mama is struggling or if the kids are struggling or both, those are good reasons, I think, to at least consider, hey, I may be personally enjoying this, the challenge of this or whatever it is, but my first care, my first priority is for my family and, yeah. you know, and, and for my bride in particular. So I, I can let Christ be concerned with his bride yeah. and make my first concern my bride. And that might mean that I have to give something up to to take care of her. So that's yeah, a, I think that's another good. good. I think another and I think, good reason. I think a healthy leader will feel the the healthy weight of that too. You know, yes. not, and not be oblivious to that. And so, yeah, no, I think that's I think that's really well said. I think the the only thing I would add, and maybe we need to move on to the next question, but is man, just sometimes we can to bring our elders or whatever our team looks like into that thought process. I think is important. It's hard to do, but to be transparent with them and just say, Hey, I'm feeling this way. Or like you said, I feel like the ministry is outpacing me. And they might look at you and go, actually, we don't, we don't see it that way at all. So be encouraged. Like if you're thinking that we're applying pressure on you or wanting you to go into the future or directional areas that we may not be asking you to do that at all, that's been self-inflicted. So just rest, like we're doing okay here. Let's just, so again, it's almost like reestablishing, reinstating the vision because you might be putting stuff on yourself that nobody else is putting on you. And so the pressure is self-inflicted and get together with guys that can say, hey, let us help you alleviate that pressure because I think we can thrive together as, as long as that doesn't happen. So I, that, that might be another thing to consider. Oh, that's good. 
This episode is brought to you by Church Law and Tax. Church Law and Tax understands the realities of church work, helping thousands of churches stay informed and get equipped with comprehensive resources on legal, tax, financial, and risk management matters. Do you have a question on housing allowance? Need information on selecting church insurance? Looking for insights on what is or isn't unrelated business income? Or how about some guidance on how to properly receive charitable contributions? Churchlawandtax.com equips you for success with access to the most respected and knowledgeable attorneys, accountants, financial advisors, and risk managers guiding churches today. Get the practical information and timely coverage you need to keep your church up to date and lead your ministry with confidence. Join churchlawandtax.com today. Uh, Here's our second question comes from a fellow on Twitter who's asking, how do you shepherd people away from the political fringes? (laughs) And he wasn't specific about right, left. I think he probably means both. But yeah, how do you, especially, you know, I wasn't pastoring during this last crazy election cycle, but you were. So I'm curious to know. Yeah, good times. I mean, I've, I've certainly pastored through crazy election cycles. Yeah. But this most recent one, I think, took the cake. So I did not envy anybody who was trying to yeah. shepherd their people to be wise and discerning <laughs> and calm and level-headed in the midst of all that. How should we even think about politics? Should Should preachers even talk about politics or bring politics into the pulpit? But yeah, what's your philosophy in terms of pastoring political people? Oh man, that you're an apolitical guy, aren't you? You're not a very political person. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm pretty apolitical. Um, I definitely have my opinions, and I'm if if sure. I'm, you know, if, if it's just going to be me and you at coffee, I'm gonna and you ask me something, I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna lean this way on that, you know. <laughs> right. um, but in terms of of how I express that publicly or as a pastor, you're just you might be able to read into some things, but I'm just not going to be really overt about it, and so. I, this thing is really funny because I, I remember, gosh, there's so many different schools of thought to this. And to me, I grew up with, you know, pastors who were mentors in my life that just, and again, I don't know, you know, it's just, you can't help the stream that God takes you through, but it was like, no, 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 politics are never, they have no business in the pulpit. Always remember that. And so it's like, okay. And I took that to heart. I'm again, not a very political person in general. So that wasn't difficult for me. And then I think in the last few years, we've come to this place where, especially on social media, and there's a lot of talk about being bold. So when you see political issues or justice issues or things of that nature, you know, we've seen all of these really, a lot of these traumatic things happen, you know, in the news and in our communities. And so now it's a thing where it's like, you can't, you can't be silent about those things. You need to speak up and speak out about those things. Yeah. To which I go, okay, I get that. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I'm always searching for the way to do it. How do you do that? How do you do that without ostracizing everybody? How can you be truthful and honest without pushing yourself into your own own corner of which you, it's going to be hard to crawl out of? And then some people would say, well, you're already being cowardly for, you know, for even for even thinking <laughs> right. of it that way. And it's like, well, no, yeah. I, I understand that. I don't want to be a coward. I really don't. My heart would be to be to be brave and to have courage. Because I think that's biblical, but there's a way in which we are to be courageous that I would say I want to be inviting and welcoming rather than pushing, pushing away. And yeah, some people, when they say, you know, be courageous, what they mean is 
say what I think. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At all yeah. costs. Re- right. Reflect right. my opinion, please. <laughs> yeah. So what I did to be a little more direct with the question you asked or, or that was asked, what I did in the last year is I would try to speak about these, some of these issues that would pop up in the news that were causing a lot of distress. I would try to give a biblical answer. I wouldn't just go over and over and over and I wouldn't exhaust it because I wanted people to know it was really important for people to know where the leadership of the church was at in some of these things. And so I would try to at least communicate that. I, I try not to exhaust it, but I also did it in a way that I was saying, hey, we also need to be unified. So if if you're hearing yourself, whatever side of this you're you're hearing yourself fall to the left or the right of, I want us to be unified. And some of us are going to have opinions of this that that maybe aren't correct or maybe aren't as biblical, but we should be willing to learn too. And I want you to hear me saying that I want to learn through this. But as your pastor, what I have to do is say, let's learn together. Let's be gracious together. Let's be unified together. And if we don't understand some things, let's be willing to learn. So I don't know, for some people that probably sounds like, oh, you're man, it's so middle ground. Why don't you take a stand? It's <laughs> like, well, because I have people that are on, are on all in all different spaces with this. And I yeah. don't want to look at one person for having what I might consider to be the right opinion about this to be more valuable than somebody I've had a relationship for for years that that is falling on a side that I might not agree with. I still want to invite them in so that we can stay unified in the things that we can stay unified in and let, you know, in the gospel and let that be what kind of permeates our culture, you know? I mean, and and some people don't want to hear that and it went horribly and they're not, you know, all that stuff, (laughs) but it's, it's so difficult. It's such a difficult thing. Every context is different too. We're in a very, very heavily conservative context. And so there's a delicateness here that I think, I, I need. I should be delicate with. I don't. I don't think going in with guns blazing doesn't feel wise to me. So yeah, I, I've become a lot more political. I don't think I'm very political, but I've become a lot more since uh, I left the pastorate. <laughs> yeah, and part of it was because I I didn't want to be a distraction. I didn't want because I had to pastor people who had differing opinions on 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 things, and and also I was in a very liberal state so not a very conservative state at all yeah. the people in my church were very conservative but the general community like we were a, a distinct minority the okay. vast majority of people that we interacted with were either irreligiously maybe kind of socially conservative perhaps more libertarian but also a vast mission field of people who were very very liberal yeah and I didn't want anyone I didn't want them to to believe I was a liberal or anything like that, but I didn't want them to think that the most important thing for me mm. or the idea, the notion of conversion was a, was political conservatism or so I, I'm, I'm trying to be about the gospel and, and let the Lord sort that out yeah. for people. Now, yeah. now since then and coming to a place that that's more conservative, uh, I've become more politically opinionated mm-hmm. and I've been accused of, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, punching right. Have you, have you heard of that? People say, Oh, you're always punching right, which is what the right wingers who are angry say to people who criticize right wingers. Basically it's like you're a fake conservative because you're always punching right. You never punch left. 
and I, I don't think I'm punching anybody, but uh, <laughs> the reason I might be, you know, poking right is because those are my countrymen. And okay. I, I believe judgment begins in the house of God. And so it would be the easiest thing in the world to just be picking on the people out there yeah, who yeah. don't b- agree or believe the things that I do. When I see hypocrisy or corruption in my tribe, that's what I want to address. That's what I think is being most prophetic. It's not standing outside and yelling at the outsiders. Yeah, but on the yeah. inside, yelling at the insiders, I, I I suppose. But I kind of approached it, you know, so, you know, thinking about pastoring, I just think there's like a grid of principles here. And one of the things is the Bible has significant political implications. The gospel does, right? To say Jesus is Lord, especially in the original context, yeah. is to say Caesar is not, yeah. right? So, I mean, it has huge political implications in, in that regard. And I think that's still true today. Mm. However, I think when we're in the pulpit, especially, but even, you know, in, in, in other spaces of messaging, we want to prioritize principles over parties, mm. you know, per se. So, in other words, I think it's more important to talk about what abortion is and the sin of abortion and biblically what the Bible says about when life begins and the sanctity of life and all those sorts of things more than it is to say, you need to vote a certain way to achieve that result. I, I want to preach the the biblical principle, yeah. not necessarily the modern day party. Now, someone may take that a particular way, right? And say, well, if I believe that, then I'm going to end up voting a certain way. And that's, and that's fine. But that's, I'm not trying to preach voting. Right, right. I'm trying to preach the sacredness of life and, and, the, and the biblical principle. Yeah. And I think that's true on down the line. Like you, you emphasize principles over particular parties. So certainly when I was a pastor, I would never stump for a particular you know, candidate. I always voted, but I wasn't saying, hey, you all get out to vote for so-and-so or anything yeah. like that. I just didn't think that was my place as, as a pastor to do. I didn't want that to be what I was known for. I think especially today in, in such a heated atmosphere that that would become sort of a flashpoint when, when pastors endorse candidates oh, man. Or, yeah. or, 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 or make it a feature of their messaging that yeah. you got to vote for a certain party or a certain person. I think that's what you're identified with and not Christ, right? You know, I also just think being able to distinguish cultural from political in terms of help, you know, helping people with application and and that sort of thing. And I just think, mm. yeah, as you said, just being really careful and, and and circumspect. I don't think being cowardly about issues. And in fact, I think a lot more pastors should be more courageous in relation to issues, things about justice and 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 you know so on and so forth. But the practical applications of those things, the Bible says almost you know nothing about. Yeah, right. right. Especially in our modern context, right? Yeah. So if if we could, if we lived in a theocracy, if we lived in under, you know, Judaic, you know, kind of government, that sort of thing. Some of it would be a lot more applicational for yeah. us, oh, yeah. but we don't. So we have to kind of pull principles and say, okay, I need to vote to the extent that I think I should vote. You know, I need to be involved to the, ex- the extent that I feel called to be involved according to these principles. And that's where I think we need to land with what the Bible says clearly to do and to be about and to care about and be more open-handed with the things that the Bible says almost nothing or nothing about. Yeah. You know, you know, so today, like if, 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 if I were to say, gosh, I'm thinking about not voting in the upcoming election because my Mm. conscience is torn. I can't vote for any, any candidate that's, you know, running or the ones that I'm aware of, there's something objectionable or something that violates my conscience. There are people who say, 
you're sinning. Yeah, I know. You're sinning if you don't vote. And I want to open up the book and say, show me in the book where it says, thou shalt vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or oh, thou yeah. shalt not abstain from voting. That's legalism. Adding something to the word yes. of God as a, as a thou shalt or thou shalt not is the essence of, of, of legalism. So I don't want to be all about those things. Yeah. I may think they're important. I may yeah. think that, that they should be priorities. But I want to kind of get underneath them and talk more about the principles and let the Holy Spirit sort out with people more how they apply those things. I think that's really good. And I think just even having freedom in a lot of these issues, you know, freedom to vote is freedom not to vote. We're getting political now, right? So, yeah, if I I, guess so. it's not really a, it's not really freedom if it if it doesn't go if it doesn't go all yeah. the way, you know. And, and, so, and when you have kind of wacky people, that's kind of I think the heart of the question is when you have people on the fringes, how do you pastor them? Yeah, I think honest conversations. In relation to anything, so let's say it's not politics. We kind of we kind of referenced this on our last episode, but you know, say you have someone who's just you know, they've made youth sports or family sports or something like they their life revolves around that. Yeah, um, it's not a sinful thing to be involved in youth sports, but when it takes over your schedule and your yes. whole life revolves around this thing, and now it's compromising your ability to participate in the community of God, and yeah, yeah, it's become an idol. So mm-hmm. anything can become an idol. And I think that's what's happening with some of these political fringe stuff, right and left, both. Yeah. They're people who, they, they're obsessed, they're preoccupied to the point that it's affecting their affections, not just yeah. for the Lord, but for other people that they should, that they should love. Yeah. Grace calls us to love people that, that we are not like and, and, and who we do not like. That's what grace would have us do. And when politics begins to erode our ability to do that, we have an idol problem, and that's worthy of addressing. Whether I think it's so. you know publicly, generally to the corporate gathering, or individually with people, as we notice, to do it in a gentle way, yes. you know, not in, in an angry, flame throwing way, but to just say, "Hey, let's talk about this. Let's uh, let's have a conversation." Because I I'm noticing this is affecting. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Gosh, how you react to people, yes. how you speak to people, all these sorts of things. Those are. That's what a pastor's for, right? First John 5, I mean, little children, keep yourself from idols. We, I mean, that, yeah. that, that's part of our call in, in how we uh, minister to our, to our people, for sure. And if a pastor can't have that conversation, who, who's supposed to? Who can? You know, the shepherd yeah. is supposed to have that conversation. No, All good. right, let's move on to our third question here. How do you establish boundaries as a pastor for family time? Oh, Making man. sure, this is kind of that balance question, I think. How do you balance ministry and family time. I don't really care for that <laughs> kind of language, the balance <laughs> language, because I think it can be misused. But I like this question that this fellow asked, which is, how do, how do I establish boundaries for family time? Yeah. Gosh, I think it, it's just like anything else. I think, you know, there's such a compulsion, I think, for some people in ministry. It's because being a pastor is hard to measure. I think you've written about this a little bit too, Jared, but like, it's hard to measure our day. And we don't get we don't get to clock in and clock out. It's hard to measure our days, and because of that, there's there's an underlying guilt. We look at the people around us that work jobs where their hours are so easily measured, and their progress and their productivity is easily measured. And a pastor's job is just not like that at all. And so I think we have the tendency to want to, or at least some personalities, to want to go overboard in their output. So I think that's, again, that is something when those patterns start emerging and your family starts suffering for that, you got to look at what's compelling you. What What is that compulsion, you know, and it, you may need to have, you probably need to have a talk with your your team, your elders or your church 
and just in and actually lay out to them, hey, my life needs to look like this so I can pastor you well, so I can pastor my family well, I can lead my family well. It, it needs to look like this. And that's going to be different for everybody, I think. But I think it's just the idea of what whatever the boundaries are that you put into place, there needs to be boundaries. So don't just yeah. don't don't have this 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 life that is so it it's so ethereal and it is so it's kind of groundless that you just you're you're just sort of you're you're like a pin you're like a pinball in a pinball machine. You're just bouncing off everything. I mean, you need to have some guardrails, you need to have some boundaries. So whatever those are put those in place. And I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed with you when you do that. What they're going to see is that you have a level of intentionality and care for both them so that you can do well with them. And first and foremost for your family so that you're caring for them. Who's going to argue with you about wanting to do that, you know, yeah. but there needs to be something there. And I think that because of the nature of the job, the more people that can get a sense of what that is probably the better. Yeah, I don't know that anybody would argue, but I, I certainly had people test those boundaries. Yeah, and well, I think I there are that. people yeah. who resent your desire to be present with yeah. your wife or with your with your kids and who try to give a guilt trip about good pastors are available 24-7 and they're always on call and and those sorts of things. And I think, you know, the response to that is having the difficult conversation perhaps with those particular people and just explain to yeah. them, no, actually that'd be a bad pastor. That'd be me trying to be, trying to be Jesus. Yeah. If you know, to be available <laughs> to you all the time, only Jesus can fulfill that job description without uh, destroying his own, his own soul in the process. But I think you're right. Communicating to others who either struggle with it or who just need to be aware of it. Maybe they're not struggling, but they just need to know, Hey, I actually, Friday is for my family and I'm, yeah. I'm taking Friday off and I'm, I'm going to do that people who need to hear you communicate that, just explaining to them if they need it explained, this is actually an investment in the church. A pastor having a healthy family and a happy family makes for happy, healthy ministry and longevity, endurance. The last thing you want is to tax this guy to the limit and make his family miserable and yeah. missing him and creating unhealth in his family which all of that is a perfect storm for somebody who's going to have a moral failing or who's going to jump yeah, out absolutely. and go to a place where they will honor his desire to do that. So that's something I would say is, is to communicate it well yeah. and communicate it in such a way that, that you're actually showing that this is a, a good thing for the church, actually. Yeah. This is an investment in, in, in the church. And, and, you know, the other thing that I would just say practically is make it somewhat consistent. Yeah. Right? I know ministry oh, yeah. is inconsistent. Things change and, there are times when you've got the day off, but there's an emergency or something happens and, you know, mm. because ministry does not stay confined in these, you know, neat little boxes. But in general, pick a day, two days, whatever it is, mm. and and make it consistent so that over time people know, oh, he's off on Fridays they and Saturdays. Yeah, or, or exactly. And, yeah. and, and, and it's consistent for your family as well. Yeah. They know when you're pushing another late night at the office and you can't be home for dinner time and because of meetings and different things going on, they know he'll be home Friday and Saturday. That's right. We'll have him all, we'll have him all day, that sort of thing. Consistency on both on both sides, I think, um, That's really is, good. Is, is really important. And just, I think, too, I see a lot of guys that are, um, a lot of timidity, you know, with that. They, they almost feel yeah. like there's something wrong with them by approaching their their team or their elders or their people saying, no, these are the the parameters that I have to 
draw up. These are the guardrails that I have to put into place. And there is a timidity there. There's like a fear in place or as if they're doing something wrong, as if they're, they're asking their congregation to allow them to be lazy, but we're not, we're not, we're talking about the opposite of laziness. We're talking about yeah. wisdom, you know, which is like saying, man, these are the things I have to put in place so that there's a fruitfulness to my ministry, which means you're being served, my family's being served, and I'm flourishing. It's the opposite of laziness. And I don't know what it is about pastors, but we we really struggle with that. We struggle with people having a perception of us that, man, are they doing their job? Are they working hard enough? Are they working long enough? You know, and there, there's such a, there, there's a, and, and again, there, there's probably some spiritual oppression that's built into that. There's probably, there's an enemy-like issue with that where we, we are battling that. But I think it causes guys to go very timid and to not address those things that you just really, I think, well pointed out that need to be addressed so that, man, they experience a, 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 I think longevity is a great word, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's an investment in, in your endurance and investment, longevity and and your joy in the church's joy. Yeah, as well. Absolutely. Hey, man, this was a good episode. It's a good uh, episode to end it our is, first season. Yes. I don't know. Like, can we uh, uh, open up some sparkling apple cider? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't do the alcoholic thing because I'm a good Baptist. But, yeah, could we, I don't know, uh, fire off some streamers and fireworks? Oh, and, man. I mean, yeah, this is the, the end of a good first season, I think. It has. It's been good. And, man, I'm really grateful. We've, we've both talked about. A lot of, uh, man, a lot of feedback we've gotten. We've gotten it personally. We've gotten it on social media. It's been so good. It's been so encouraging. And I just want to say thanks to everybody that's been listening and supporting. It's been really fun to do this, but then also hear that it's actually helping people. So that's been really encouraging for us, for sure. Yeah. And if you are a feedback person, you could go give us a good review on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. Five stars would be preferred. That would be our preference. <laughs> Out of all the stars that would be available to stars. you. I mean, if there's six stars available, six stars would be good. If there's one but, particular number, it would be as many stars as there are. Yeah, available. whatever the maximum <laughs> available stars is, you could give us that. Give us a good review. Share us with your friends. Yeah. Share us on social media. And we'll be happy to see you, Lord willing, next season for the start of season two. You have been listening to The Art of Pastoring. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casilla. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, 
intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.